0: Well, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to the College Age Movement podcast. We are in our second week of our new series entitled Dear Church. And uh, this series is just a walk through the book of Galatians. And if you're not familiar with the book of Galatians, um, it's a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Galatia. And what happened is is that, that Paul planted this church, he left the church, and not long after he left the church, new leadership stepped in, and the church in Galatia, the people, the members of this church, were having such a hard time following the way that Jesus had brought into the world, the way that Paul had been preaching, and were wanting to go back to old traditions and old legalism and things that the Jewish church had been imposing for so long and that the pagan church had also been imposing for so long. So they were stuck in between this traditionalism and this paganism, and they were having a really hard time finding a middle ground to follow the message that Jesus had brought to the world. So last week we went through Galatians chapter 1, and we talked through a, a couple th- different things, the main things being this. Uh, the first one being that our message is not a message that we are presenting, but that it is a God-commissioned message, that I'm not trying to— to uh, portray the message of Evan and you are not trying to portray your message. What we need to collectively be doing is portraying the message of Jesus. This is a God-commissioned message and it's not about us or our standing or our desires or our motives, but it's always about coming back to the center and that is always Jesus. And then we also talked about how our faith needs to be dependent on God, not on others, and that if others are dependent on us, we need to point them towards Jesus. So simply this, we are in a culture that finds ourselves following people and Instead of following Jesus, that the words spoken out of the mouths of our favorite communicators become gospel instead of the gospel itself. So we need to be so, so careful that we are always listening to Jesus, and Jesus can be spoken through people. That is undoubtedly true. Hopefully, the words that I speak are something that you, um, you realize are, are good for your life, and it's something that, that you find helpful, but if what I'm speaking isn't Jesus, then it's not truth, and it's not the message that we want to portray. And the the second thing would be this, is that if people are dependent on us for their faith, if they're so reliant on us for their faith, then we need to point them back to Jesus. Because we can find ourselves in certain relationships and certain circumstances where people become so dependent on what we think about a subject instead of what Jesus thinks about the subject. So we just need to make sure that that we are very aware of that and that we point people back to Jesus at every single uh, opportunity that we have. So this week we're going to be in Galatians chapter 2. This chapter is a little bit different. Um, The the whole letter of Galatians is a really interesting um, letter penned by the Apostle Paul because it's a corrective letter. There are things that Paul wants the church in Galatia to understand, and there are some harsh things said, but there's truth that needs to be spoken. So we're going to be in Galatians chapter 2, and we're going to start in verses 1 through 2. And it says this It says, Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation, and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, those being James, John, and Peter, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. So the first point would be this check in. One of the things that I love about Paul is that even after a decade of preaching the gospel, 14 years, if not more, of preaching the gospel, he was intentional about getting around other people who were talking about Jesus. Paul was specifically called to talk to the non-Jewish people of the world, and that was unique, but he still wanted to make sure that the message that he was preaching was the same one that Peter, James, and John were preaching to the Jews. He wanted to make sure that those messages lined up. It was vitally important that what he was telling people who hadn't grown up up in Jewish tradition wasn't something completely different than what Peter, James, and John were preaching. It had to align. It had to make sense all put together. And this is an incredible lesson for us today, because no matter how long you've been following Jesus— we need to put ourselves around other people who are pursuing what you are pursuing. Even if we disagree on some things, even, a, even if the small things within our beliefs or in the way that we do things or the way that we present things, the way that we worship, whatever it is, even if we differ on those things, that we would understand that the message preached here at College Age or Faith Chapel is the same message being preached in a different state or a different church or across town, and, and that is this, is that it's just Jesus. That at everything on a fundamental foundational level, it's Jesus, and and the way that we do things can can be debated, but it's never separating. And that the message that we are collectively communicating is always pointing people towards the love and the mercy and grace of Jesus. And Paul wanted to check in with people so that his beliefs were re-solidified. He wanted to to get around people, to be encouraged, but he also wanted to be an encouragement. And I think that that's a lesson that we need too, is we need to put ourselves around people who can encourage us in our walk. And wherever you find your mission field, whether that's a law office or a hospital or a a school or church, you have to put yourself around people who can encourage you and vice versa, that you can encourage because we aren't called to do this life alone. It's just like coming to college age movement. This this isn't a place for you to come and just hear what I have to say and then regurgitate it. This is a place to come and be in community and talk about Jesus and talk about life and find life and encouragement through the other people here. And uh, if you don't have that, it's so hard to, to Pursue Jesus alone. And it's so hard to do what he wants us to do alone. We need backup. We need family. We need community. And so, wherever you're at, if that's here in Billings, come to College Age. We would love to have you here. But if it's somewhere else, if you find yourself in another place, find a church family, find a group of people that will encourage you in your walk with Jesus. The second point is this is that Paul understood the value of conversation. And I think that we have kind of lost the value of conversation today. And I just want to encourage you today, like set some time aside for real, raw, honest conversation with people. not not Facebook conversations, not on Instagram, not on anything that involves a screen. Like put yourself in real face-to-face conversations and have real interactions. Ask people how they're doing. Check in in life, but also their spiritual walk. Like spend time and set time aside, like intentionally. Don't don't just like happen upon somebody and be like I guess we'll have a conversation now. Like set time aside, schedule coffee, schedule a dinner, whatever it is, and spend time loving people and letting them love you because it will change the way that we live our lives and it will change the way that they live theirs as well. And I think there's so much value in meeting with like-minded people who encourage you in your walk with Jesus because we get an opportunity on a daily basis to refine one another. And that's what community and family is all about. But I think there may be just as much value in spending time with people who disagree with you or who hold different beliefs. Uh, When I was in college, I actively put myself in situations where others wanted to destroy my faith. And it was uncomfortable, and it wasn't something that I wanted to do, but a mentor had spoken into my life that I needed to do that because I was too comfortable being around other people who just believed the same thing that I believed. And so in college, I just actively started doing that. And what it taught me was how to defend my faith and how to seek answers. And Jesus isn't wanting you to walk through your faith and have zero questions. He wants you to ask questions, but he also wants you to look for answers, and he wants to provide those answers, and that's what we're called to do. I love when people come to me with hard questions, and I do not have all the answers, but Jesus does, and we talk about this all the time, but the incredible thing about being in a community of people who are pursuing Jesus together is that we get to find those answers together, and if nobody in your immediate group knows the answer, then you can go ask somebody else, and you find that answer through constant question asking, and and you just keep taking it to other people until finally you find what you're looking for, and that's what Jesus wants us to do actively pursuing him, not just sitting back and accepting things for how they are and having zero qualms or zero problems or zero uh, uncomfortability or whatever. He, he wants you to ask questions. And so it, that was a really refining time for me in college. Was a, I, I got to answer a lot of other people's questions, but then I had my own questions as well. And that's where my faith really got solidified. And, and I got so excited about following Jesus because I never found something that went against what was built inside of me as a human being that the message of Jesus is still the most beautiful uh, thing that I've ever encountered and that will be true for the rest of my life. And I think that as a culture, we've accepted the lie that if we disagree with people, we're relegated to coexisting. And I can't stand that phrase coexisting because what what that communicates is, hey, we're both going to be alive, but we're not going to actually interact or love one another or show each other grace and mercy and acceptance or anything like that. And I would argue that if we disagree in the right way, we can help each other thrive. That if we put ourselves around people who believe something completely different than us, we get to have dialogue and conversations, and it does something super significant. It's not just about coexisting or not hating someone or, or not wanting the worst to come upon a group of people, but it's about actually living life with people and, and doing life with people and loving people and having friends like real friends, not just people that you know, but friends, people that you do life with that don't believe the same thing as you. There's so much value to be had in that. Jesus put himself around people who didn't believe the same thing as him all the time, and we are always trying to be a little bit more like Jesus. Some of my closest friends throughout my life have been those who I do not see eye to eye with. They strengthened my faith, and they, the resolve that, that I found in Jesus and my hope is that they would find faith in Jesus through interactions with me. Because if my stance was that I can't spend time with those that don't agree with me, I don't know that they're going to see Jesus. The only way that I know that somebody is going to see Jesus is if I'm living like Jesus and I spend time with them. I'm not going to put it on, on hopes and dreams that, that they will interact with other people who love Jesus when I have every ability to spend time with them and love them in a way that shows them Jesus today. And then Paul goes on to say in verses 6 through 10, he says, "As for those of you who are held in high esteem, whatever they were whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised. That would be the Gentiles, non-Jewish people. Just as Peter had been to the circumcised, which would be the Jewish people, for God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right." hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. See, the first time I read through this passage, I thought that Paul was kind of being like arrogant, like a little bit of a tool. And uh, that's probably not the first time that I've thought about that, about a biblical character, because there are so many people throughout scripture where you're like, this guy or this woman is seems to be not great. Like this isn't somebody who I would handpick to go deliver the message of Jesus or in the Old Testament to create the nation of Israel. But what I love is that it just keeps pointing back to the fact that Jesus and God use messy, broken people. And that if they're willing to use Paul, an arrogant tool, they're also willing to use me, an arrogant tool at times. So And so I, I think that I read that and I see that, but then when you read through it again and again, you start to see the message that Paul is actually trying to communicate. And what Paul's trying to say is something that we should be central to our walk with Jesus today, and that's this, is that we're not supposed to compare callings. Don't compare callings. Paul was acutely aware of the fact that Peter was tasked with preaching the gospel to the Jews and he was tasked with preaching the gospel to everyone else. He didn't think one was better than the other. He saw significant importance in both. How easy is it for us to look at the calling of other people and do one of two things? First of all, we can say, my calling is better. I'm looking at your calling. Your calling looks lame. I like my calling. Or secondly, we look at the calling of other people and we say, not fair. I wish that was my calling. I don't want to be here. I want to be there. I don't want to do what God's asked me to do. I want to do what God has asked you to do. And, and something that, that happened in my life was when I was being called into ministry about five and a half years ago, I had a friend who was being called into ministry as well. And he, he was a part of this church in the small town. And. Like there was like five people in the entire youth group and I was just like oh man that sucks for you I get to be a part of Faith Chapel which has thousands of people and the college age movement when I took over had not five but 12 and I was like that's double plus and I just was so arrogant and as, as college age started to grow I was like man I'm so glad I'm here and not there and that's true I'm so glad that I am where I am at I love this place But I remember being kind of arrogant and and kind of thanking God that that wasn't my calling or looking at somebody who's in China who's having to actually fight for their lives on a daily basis and be like, man, I'm so comfortable. Thank God that's not my calling. But we're not supposed to just dwell on the calling of other people. We're supposed to dwell on our calling and understand that God has placed them there for a very specific reason. On the other hand, I remember going to Hillsong LA and going to Mosaic in, in Hollywood and all these churches that are just big and they have these incredible pastors and being like, Man, I wish that this was my calling. I wish my calling was to be in sunny weather and, and just to hang out with really cool people all the time that are super fashionable and hip and and I'm in Billings, Montana with really cool people who don't like my skinny jeans and blah da 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 and then finally just getting to this point of like understanding that God wanted to speak a truth into my life and that was like, that's not where I've called you. I've called you here. So you need to be faithful where you're at. See, too often, we, as a group of people and as individuals, come up to this thing where we say, like, oh, think of the things that we could accomplish if we were somewhere else. But individually and collectively, we should be a group of people and individuals who understand our impact here and now. Maybe God will call you somewhere else. Maybe you're wanting God to call you somewhere else. Or maybe you love where you're at and you're not wanting, you're hoping, hoping against all hope that he doesn't call you to go somewhere else. But what we can always hold true to and what we can always have faith in is that God will use us where we're planted. And that that might sound cliche, but it's true that we're not called to be anywhere else today than where we are at. So we need to be here and we need to make the most of it. We need to love people unbelievably well and show people Jesus in any and every way that we can. And then I want to read verse 10 again. Verse 10 uh, says, that they agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and to the circumcised. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. So there's a common call here, and that's this, the least of these. When we talk about the poor, it's so easy to think that that a simple that, think about that from a simple uh, financial aspect. But I think that it's important to understand that there is more to it than that. The poor in spirit, the poor in relationship, the poor in heart, the poor in hope, whatever it is, while financial poverty is undoubtedly something that the church has and should continue to address— Paul and the other disciples had a central message that was to spend time teaching and loving the least of their respective callings. They were called to go find the disenfranchised, to go find the outcasts, and to bring the message of Jesus to them. So what does that say to us? It says that no matter where we're at, we need to have our eyes open for those same people. That no matter our venue, no matter our calling, we always need to be looking for the the least of these. Throughout scripture, we see the orphan, we see the widow, we see the stranger, we see the foreigner. All of those people are the people that we should be looking for on a daily basis. Not just the people we're comfortable talking to, not just the people that we maybe agree with, not just the people who aren't in really, really dire need, but the ones that we can help with with a, a hamburger or a dollar bill. But people who are actually in desperate need of Jesus, people who are in desperate need of relationship, of of whatever it is that they need. It could be financial, but so often it's gonna be spiritual, it's gonna be relational. And, and maybe you don't have the means to financially bring somebody out of poverty. Not many of us do, but every single one of us has the ability to bring someone out of spiritual poverty, to bring someone out of relational poverty, and that's by being in relationship with them and showing them Jesus. Now the letter shifts a little bit, starting in verse 11. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? You see, Cephas was Peter. Cephas in Greek means stone and Peter was the rock on which Christ would build his church. This was a message that Jesus had said directly to Peter. So Paul is calling out Peter, the rock of the church, Which brings up the next point, is that there is not a single person who is above reproach. No one is above reproach. Peter was acting in a way that Paul was upset about because he was falling in line with the crowd instead of standing up for what he knew was right according to the gospel. And this is one of the things I love about scripture. It doesn't hide the messy stuff. These were two of the biggest leaders in the movement of Jesus, and it clearly states that there was tension between them. You see, Paul wasn't going to let the title that Peter held prevent him from speaking truth into his life. He knew as a brother in Christ, he needed to call him out and say, hey, you're going back into a life that doesn't honor Jesus. And Peter wasn't doing anything insane. He wasn't like a murderer or an adulterer or like freaking out and doing all these sinful things. He was just falling back into the old ways when Jesus had brought a new way. And Paul wanted to call Peter out. And That should make us feel really, really good and at least a little bit better, right? It's okay to be frustrated with other people. I don't know about you, but I get frustrated with people all the time inside and outside of the church. And sometimes I feel guilty for being frustrated, especially when it's people important to us. But it's okay to be frustrated with them. It's just not okay to camp in that frustration for too long. You see, we're called to have honest and real conversations with people, and if they claim to follow Jesus, then we get to call them out on things. If they don't claim to follow Jesus, then we need to check our heart and find out why we're being frustrated. One of the most frustrating things for me is when people start holding others to standards that Jesus presented when they don't know Jesus. You see, our job isn't to be judge and jury when it comes to people's lives and how they are living. Our job is to call people to a higher standard inside the church, but when they're outside of the church, when they're outside a relationship with Jesus, that we would introduce them to Jesus and let the Holy Spirit do the convicting. My job is not to convict people. My job is to love people and introduce them to Jesus and let the Holy Spirit convict them in their lives. Now, when somebody says that they follow Jesus, you get to have that hard conversation and say, hey, you say you follow Jesus. So it says this, and it's perfectly displayed in Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 16. If you've been in church for a long amount of time, the Matthew 18 principle. Hey man, like you need to go Matthew 18 with that guy. It's so annoying, but it's also so important. Matthew 18 verses 15 through 16 say this. It says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses, which means that have a personal conversation. Get, get to know what's going on in their lives and call them out privately. And if they won't listen, then you bring other people who follow Jesus into that situation. And if it all else fails, then, then you go public with it. And, and we don't know the interaction between Paul and Peter up to this point. We don't know every conversation that they've had, but Paul calls him out in front of other believers. And two other believers in the church in Galatia. And even though it seems like a little bit of a diversion from what we've been talking about, Paul was challenging Peter to get back in his lane so that they can be on mission together, Together, back to their individual callings that would help them complete their collective calling. I won't say that again, they, that Paul wanted Peter to get back to his individual calling so that Paul could get back to his individual calling, and that would help them complete their collective calling. You see, the thing about callings is that no matter how unique and how different, we're all running after Jesus and trying to show others his love. They're always different, but they're always connected. And if we understand that, we will affect and impact this world for Jesus in a way that we've never done before. This was 2,000 years ago, and Paul and Peter are struggling with a lot of the same things that we see on a regular basis. So I just want to end this podcast with just a couple thoughts. The first one being this, let's talk about what God is doing in us. And then let's talk about what God wants to do through us. Let's appreciate how God is uniquely moving in each one of us. Let's challenge one another. Let's encourage one another. And let's find Jesus every day and introduce him to every single person that we meet. Thank you for tuning in to the College Age Movement podcast. We hope this is a tool that you get to use on a weekly basis where you learn, uh, where you get to, to introduce other people to Jesus. And we would love to see you in person if you're in billing. So we meet on Tuesday nights at Faith Chapel. We would love to see you here. If not, we hope to see you in the future. We love you guys, and we'll talk to you soon.